everybody. Welcome to Ask the Pastor with J.D. Greer. I am, as always, your host, Matt Love. Um, We're really glad you're here listening wherever you're listening. But we hope some of you are watching on YouTube because this is actually, we're, we're videoing these now. You can watch us have this conversation. So if you are still listening, I would just encourage you to go try it out. Just go hop over to YouTube, watch us for a few minutes, see what happens, see if you enjoy actually, it more. Actually, Matt, they're watching you. Mine is an AI-generated, you know, yes. avatar of me. But <laughs> This is the new format of Ask the Pastors, <laughs> just a way of getting JD's AI person to do all the work for him. So uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, uh, JD, as you know, we've you know been in this series. We're talking about spiritual disciplines, kind of starting off 2024, People are trying to build in new spiritual disciplines, trying to develop and deepen the ones they already have. And so we just wanted to kind of do a a few questions talking about spiritual disciplines. So um, our next discipline this week, and, you know, we started off with some that I feel like people are pretty pretty intuitive. This one might not sound quite as intuitive, but um, we're talking about the discipline of surrounding yourself with Christian community. Yeah, this is a good one. You know, the first two spiritual disciplines that we covered in the the last two um, Ask the Pastors are Bible study and prayer. Um, those are kind of intuitive. He's sort of like, duh, that's the answer to, you know, how do you grow spiritually? Yeah. And, um, you know, I would say... Well, it's it's sometimes easier said than done. Most people understand that that you're going to have to do that. This one, I don't think a lot of people often think of community mm. or intentional community as a spiritual discipline, and because you know, they'll kind of be like, "Well, I mean, I go to church most of the time, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever that is. Um, I'm all set, or I got friends. I'm not lonely, you know. Um, people know me, or, or or they think I go to small group most times. So I've, you know, I've also checked the box there. Um, I can't remember. I think the average. Um, actively involved evangelical churchgoer goes one out of every three weeks, I think is what mm. the, the new stat is. So, you know, even there, you're not looking at a lot of intentional stuff, but people think if you're yeah. just covering most of the basics, you're fine. Um, I hear a lot of people say, by the way, and I'll just kind of, you know, maybe hit this one head on. Um, I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't know. I, you know, I have a strong relationship with Jesus. I love God, but I'm just not that committed to the church. And I always say this. I mean, it's easier when you look in somebody's eyes and say this, but um, I have to look in your eyes right now. Um, That's not really true. (laughs) That's not true. I I know people think it's true. It's just not. I mean, they might have great respect for Jesus, Hmm. but I mean, the thing is, Jesus very clearly said that if you loved him, you would be committed to his church. Um, in John 15, he said, we were to love each other so much that we would lay down our lives for each other. And, you know, I mean, just to state the obvious, you can't do that for somebody that you're not connected to or not in relationship yeah, with. That's good. Um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, j- j- uh, to, to pastors like you and me, John 21, Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. In other words, um, you're going to show your love for me by how well you take care of my sheep. And so we just say, there's no way that you can be obedient to Jesus and neglect those that he, he commanded us to love. Um, you know, one of the other analogies I think is important here is, is that is that is that the church is called the bride of Christ. And, you know, just to, again, to state the obvious, you can't love somebody and hate their bride if that's the person they love the most. Um, I asked our church recently, I'm like, how do you think that I'd react to you if you said to me, Pastor J.D., we love you. I mean, we just, can you come over to our house for dinner? <laughs> Here's the key to our mountain house. Please enjoy that. But these invitations are not for Veronica. You know, we like you, but we just don't care for her. Uh, she yeah. gets on our nerves a little bit. You know, that conversation is probably not going to go anywhere. Um, I'm probably not coming over for dinner because you just, you can't love me and, and, and be annoyed with Veronica. Yeah. Now, I should point out just to our listeners that that has never, ever happened in the Greer history ever. Because And you, <laughs> yeah. can, you can enthusiastically agree with this. 
people always like her better than me after we meet. Yeah, you know, it might if I get it back, in the other direction, but it's definitely not happening in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, maybe they'll do the first invitation because they see me on stage, but if there's a second invitation, then it's always going to be because of her. Um, but anyway, but the, the, the point is you can't, you can't say to Jesus, I love you, but not really be committed. Mm-hmm. So, and so the measure of your commitment to Jesus is not how the, the, the lovey-dovey feelings you have for him or that you get you know chills when, when you listen to worship songs. Um, the measure is whether or not you're connected to his body, mm-hmm. the church. Um, and so let's just, when we talk about being followers of Jesus, let's just take a minute and think about if we're followers of Jesus, his relationship to mm-hmm. the church. Um, specifically, let's just limit it to the 12 men that he traveled with as his disciples. What what you see is that in addition to these great preaching things that he did, the miracles, he lived among these guys. He mm-hmm. served them and he spoke personally into their lives. Let me walk through those, each of those really quickly and just apply them to us. Um, Jesus lived among them, uh, which means that he, um, he walked with them. He gave real-time instruction. He commented on conversations that he overheard, which is one of my favorite overlooked aspects of the Gospels, <laughs> is Jesus is like, hey, you know, back there, you were saying this and that's totally wrong. You know, that's crazy. Um, you know, as they're muttering to each other, he confronted them with their mistakes and then comforted them in their failures. Um, you know, Paul is going to be the same way. Acts 20, when he's leaving the Ephesian elders, he's like, you know how night and day I was with you. What that meant is that Paul was close enough to them that when something went wrong with one of their kids at night, they, they went over to Paul's house or they got Paul and, and Paul came over and dealt with it. So it was, it was personal. Um, he was in their lives. Secondly, he personally served them. You know, the, 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 the washing of the feet, the John 13 thing, it, Jesus didn't do that for everybody. There's no record we have of him doing that with the 5,000 people that he fed with the loaves and fish. He did that for those 13 because he was saying, I'm personally going to serve you, even in a different way than I do the masses. And then he spoke personally into their lives. Um, you know, I, Matt, I can't remember if I've told you this story or not, but um, a few years ago, I was at a conference. Um, I was speaking there with Paul Tripp. Um, I was kind of like the warm-up act, and I was the guy <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I was like, would you hurry up and get done so we can hear Paul Tripp? But um, another one of these mega church pastor guys had just fallen, and I was like, you know, Dr. Tripp, I just don't get it. What is what is it? Because he, he, he had been close to several of these guys. I'm like, what is it? Is there some common denominator? And I'll never forget, he just said, he kind of said, yeah. He said, he said, it's the lack of peer community. Mm. And he said, I don't mean community. But he said, all these guys are extroverts, and so they usually have all kinds of people around them. They have big staffs. They're always with people. He said, peer community. The kind of community where they can look into your eye and say, that's not right. You know, you shouldn't be talking like that. I think you think too much of yourself or, or, or whatever it is that needs to be corrected. One of the greatest decisions that my wife and I made was a number of years ago, we moved into a neighborhood. There's some other families in our church, families that have grown less impressed with me year by year <laughs> um, as they just, you know, they see what our lives are like. And, um, you know, sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes, let's be honest, it's kind of fun to be up on a pedestal where nobody really knows you, but they're the ones that say, Hey, I, I don't know. Something doesn't. Something doesn't feel right here. I'm not sure. You know, tell me how you and Veronica are really doing. Um, one of my, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, "Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away." Uh, think of a neighbor as somebody that you don't really like that much. Uh, think of a brother as somebody that you're really close to. And he's like, it's better to be in close proximity to people, um, even if they're not perfect people, than it is to have somebody that's just absolutely perfect. That's a that's a ways away. Um, actually, I think that's in Proverbs, Matt. Um, but you know, there's a limit. And I'll say the last thing on this, there's a limit to what God can do in your life if you're not connected to the body. Um, Paul, 1 Corinthians 12 says that 
we're a body and, and, and um, uh, we're like members of that body. Um, and at some point in that chapter, he says, how does the body take care of its own members? And the answer, his answer is he does it through other members. You know, I mean, to, to use a silly analogy, if my left elbow sends a message up to father brain and says, father brain, I itch. How does, how does my brain take care of that? It doesn't zap it from, you know, brain heaven with a, a bolt of, you know, brain power. It sends a message to the fingers on my right hand. And by the way, our listening audience can see me act out this demonstration. <laughs> One of the many benefits. But it's it like sends a 3D to, movie, you know, there's like a whole new element to everything now. Um, it sends a message to these fingers, go take care of your brother left elbows itch. Mm. Well, a lot of times we're praying for things from God, you know, God help my marriage. God, give me direction right now in this situation. And God's like, how can I answer that? I'm, you just want me to zap you from heaven with the answer, but I'm actually going to put the answer in another member of the body. And because you've disconnected yourself from that body, you'll, you, you won't be able to experience the answers to your prayer. Mm. And so it, we, we actually limit the voice of God and the activity of God in our life when we limit our community in the church. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, the, just that, you know, community reminds us that, that we're not we're not meant to be self-sufficient. It's one of the means of grace that God's given us. Um, and e- even what you said, you know, a second ago, there's, I remember in college, the phrase we always would use was life on life. We want to live our lives around one another so we can see what's really going on and press in. And so um, that's really, really good. So you actually mentioned this idea. You talked about you know, some of these megachurch pastors being extroverted, very extroverted. And this, this next question is like the best question about this, because I feel like it's, it's, it's the practical stuff that a lot of people <laughs> think about. Brad asked us, he's like, all right, I want to find community. What should I do if I want to find community, but I am a big time introvert. What is Brad supposed to do if he just, he doesn't want to be around people all the time. Like he's got that introverted (laughs) gear, um, but God says, go, go hang out with all these people. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, first of all, thank you for reaching out to us for jumping out of that comfort zone, you know, (laughs) taking a chance that we might actually write back and you're like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, I mean, there's a, obviously there's a, there's a, uh, positive and negative everything. Um, I'll, I just finished a biography of Elon Musk, and it said in there that um, Elon Musk loves humanity as a concept. He <laughs> really loves the human race, but he doesn't like individual humans. Uh, and I thought, you know, okay, so as long as we're not talking about that, I mean, if you know, some people can use these <laughs> terms as I just don't really mm-hmm. want to share my life with people, and that's not right. But but some people have a personality where they just you know it, people drain them, and that's just how God made you. I, I understand that. I'm, I'm not really an introvert, but there are times that I don't want to be with people, and I'm a pastor. A um, couple things I'd say. Um, first, this is exactly why we talk about it as a discipline. You don't have to discipline yourself with things that come naturally to you. If you're a natural you know, person who just loves to be around people, then you probably, nobody needs to tell you to go to church. One of my kids is like that. I mean, she literally wants to be at church every time the doors are open because she loves people. Um, so, uh, but for those of us that, you know, there is a discipline aspect of it. Um, second, I, I would just say, you know, um, recognize God made you a certain way and there's nothing, I mean, it was his choice to make you an introvert. And so you have to learn to do it wisely and somebody else's standard is not yours. If you're not the kind that sticks around till, you know, three hours when the service is done after you've talked to the last possible person, I get it. Now, if you're leaving five minutes early and showing up five minutes late, that's probably not good either. But but you really can sort of balance that and say, how do I do this in the way that God that God wants me to do it? The key is, whether it's three people or whether it's 30 people, that there are some people who can see into your life and speak 
and speak with um, with clarity, and that takes them being close enough to know you and you them. That's good. Yeah, and he, I've even found I feel like for a lot of people that are extroverted, maybe the connection to people is pretty easy. But sometimes depth for extroverts is really challenging. They can be I, I know a hundred people, but don't know any of them well. Whereas mm-hmm. people that are more introverted, maybe not know, yeah. maybe not have as many relationships, but typically are some of the best at going deep relationally with people. And so that would be another encouragement, Brad. Is I, I, I would point. imagine you've probably got a lot of capacity for depth, and that's what Christian community is a lot all about. So, all right, JD, one more question about this that that we we wanted to ask because this is one we've gotten a lot through the years, and and I know you've heard it asked and experienced it. Um, but what about somebody that says it's hard to find community at my church? And this is, you know, there are strong feelings here, but we've heard this a lot. It's hard to find community in my church because there's a lot of people that are hypocritical or they're very judgmental, and I just don't know how to engage with that. You know, so I first want to say um, that's, a, that's always a heartbreaking question because, mm-hmm. you know, I want to say that if your church is filled with people that are openly practicing sin and nobody, you know, people in leadership know about it and nobody really cares, then, yeah, that's probably not a good church for you to be at. You know, the Bible tells us that we, if we're going to be the body of Christ, we have to take sin seriously. So, you know, I mean, th- th- that would be a, an important thing to to grapple with. Maybe you're not at the right church. That said, in every church, there are hypocrites. In fact, the two guys leading this podcast, in some ways, you, if we looked at our lives long enough, you'd say, well, they're hypocritical things that you say. Um, they're not flagrant and intentional, but but people get on your nerves, um, and you know they're inconsistencies. We are a, a damaged, broken bunch of people, and when you come in, you're gonna you're gonna see that. It reminds me of the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote a marvelous little book called Life Together, and just talks about the practical, you know, the practical realities of engaging in a church. Um, Bonhoeffer, of course, you know, part of some small church communities in one of the worst times of history. He was a German in Nazi Germany, you know, not a Nazi, but uh, resisting that. And he just talked about this life together that God had called the church to have. And he said the most profound thing that I've never forgotten and um, perfectly applicable here is he says, he says, you know, as a Christian in a church, you go through three stages. And he said, the first stage that you'll go through after you become a Christian, your new Christian in church, is you will notice other people's inconsistencies and it will just disgust you. He said, and you're like, I can't believe these people, I can't believe this is the name of Jesus. He said, and you feel so self-righteous because you see where they are, are, are fall short. He said, congratulations, you're at stage one. <laughs> stage two, he says, is when you become aware enough of your own sin that the disgust you feel at other sins hasn't gone away, but it's outweighed by your disgust at your own sin and brokenness and inconsistency. He said, and that drives you into the grace of Jesus more. He said, and at that point, you're ready for stage three. And that is you're ready to re-engage with the church now, not as a self-righteous hypocrite, but now you engage with it as a redeemed and forgiven sinner who is able to redeem and to love others with the patience and tolerance by which Jesus has loved you. So I'm not trying to brush that question under the rug. I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to say, um, grapple with grace and it helps you grapple with other people who, who need grace. That's really good. Well, JD, thanks for all of that. It's really helpful. I'm I'm enjoying the series. I feel like it's been really just helpful reorientation around a lot of these things. And I hope you guys are as well. And we're going to actually keep rolling with this series for a few more episodes. And next, uh, next, Time. We have 
I think one that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. We're going to talk about Sabbath, which I feel like mm. is now kind of, it's a, it's a very vogue spiritual discipline right now. So <laughs> it'll be fun to dive into that. Um, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. I, I know a lot of podcasts that I listen to, I don't subscribe. I just kind of grab different episodes. And then people are talking about things and they're in a series like this and I missed something and now I have to go back. And if you just subscribe, you just get it all right there. As soon as they come out, you get it. You can listen to it. Super easy. Go ahead and do that. And... We are on YouTube. As we've said before, if you want to see JD physically scratching his face when he gives an analogy about <laughs> scratching his face, go to YouTube. Subscribe at j.d.greer. Greer spelled two E's and an A. And uh, we'll see you next time on Ask the Pastor. 